uh, I mentioned this at the end of this morning's service. We're going to talk about what it means to have God the Father be our Heavenly Dad and what it really means to be a child of God. So we'll dive into that a little bit. Um, I want us to turn to Romans chapter 8. And I want to preface this that so often... um, We've used this before, but our anything that we take or anything that we get for free, we often usually take for granted. Um, we don't treat it as something that is as valuable. But really, in reality, our salvation, which is a free gift to us, is the most um, important thing in our lives, our relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the most important thing that we can possess. So, I want to talk about how it influences our life being a child of God. Let's open a word of prayer first. Heavenly Father, as we come to you right now, I just pray that we would have open hearts to hear your word, uh, that it would transform our lives even further, help us to um, gain a better grasp of who you are, what you've done for us, and the sacrifices that you've made so that we can be children of you. I just pray that we could... um, and apply to our lives as well too, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So Romans 8, verse 14, I'll start reading in. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So verse 14, it opens it up by telling us that if you are a child of God, a son of God, or a daughter of God, that you have the Holy Spirit living within you. And that's a pretty cool gift. That's an amazing gift. To have God himself living inside of you is not something we should be taking for granted. And then in verse 15, it compares and contrasts having a spirit or a relationship based on fear versus a relationship that is intimate and loving. It says in verse 15 again, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So God doesn't want our relationship with him to be based on fear. Yes, there is that reverential fear and respect that we have of God. That's similar between the relationship we have between our parents here on earth. But there are tons of verses in in the Bible about having a fear of God. I think of Proverbs 1-7. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. All sorts of verses having that healthy fear of God. But he doesn't want to have our relationship be a literally being scared of him and what, he's, what, what he could do if we mess up or err. Um, he... His relationship is more based on his love for us. And I think of 
verse 15 says uh, the spirit of bondage again to fear the a relationship of fe- uh, based on fear is kind of one that you would see between a master and a slave where there is that fear there where the ma- or the slave had better obey the master for fear of what could happen if he doesn't follow instruction so this is kind of a relationship of bondage and we have that same relationship when it comes to our relationship in sin as well too if we want to go, let's go back actually and we'll go to Romans chapter 6 Romans chapter 6 verse 6 says that our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin and then it goes on to say in verse 11 likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord so Jesus sets us free from that bondage of sin he sets us free from that relationship of fear that we have with our sin and he wants us to live like we are alive with Jesus Christ our Lord and then we have the um, the the contrary side of a relationship of fear we have that relationship based on adoption where it talks about us calling God the Father Abba Father so this term Abba Father is this is like calling the Heavenly Father something intimate you know, I call my dad, Dad. I had a friend, Brian, growing up. His dad was Pastor Lapine here at this church. He always called his dad, Papa. I always thought that was a little different because no one else called my, no one else, none of my friends called their dad, Papa. But it was a term of intimacy, of endearment, of, of love. Um, not, not in America very often, but in, the, in other cultures maybe, we don't really hear the term father used as a name of of endearment I think of usually when I think of the term father I think of Star Wars you know where Luke Skywalker is battling Darth Vader epic lightsaber battle well epic for the 70s was it the 70s well Darth Vader cuts his cuts Luke Skywalker's arm off and then proceeds to tell him Luke I am your father not like Arnold Schwarzenegger like James Earl Jones. That was the voice. Um, but that, that wasn't really a relationship based on love and intimacy. It was kind of more of a relationship based on fear, I think. Um, the relationship we have with God is not like that relationship based on fear. It's that relationship that is intimate, where we can call him Abba Father. So the name that you call God... It should be based on that ultimate respect and ultimate reverence for him. But it should also have that intimate intimate factor. It should have that love factor. I look at all of the names that God has called in the Bible. They, we used to have all of the different different ones above the windows that here in the sanctuary. But I just looked at just a couple of them. Kind of the main ones, El Elyon, the Most High God, El Shaddai, God Almighty, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Rohi, my shepherd, Adonai, Lord and Master, and Elohim and Yahweh are just terms of 
the most holy God. Um, so there, there are a lot of different ways that God can be called, but it's, it's a combination of having an attitude of reverence, fear, and intimate love for him. And like verse 14 tells us that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and we are children of God. He's not a distant God, but he lives inside of us. And not only that, but he's given his love letter to us through his word that holy men of old have written. And it's a cool thing that we can come boldly before his throne of grace. Uh, Often, a lot of people think of God as you're going before his throne, kind of groveling and uh, crawling your way there. I don't think he so much appreciates that way as running to him and even jumping into his lap and just desiring that intimacy with him because he wants that intimacy as well too. So we should crave that intimacy as well. I like the term here. We'll spend a little bit of time on it, but it's this term of adoption. Paul talks about it a couple couple different times here in Galatians 4 as well too. So let's talk about this term adoption. So we're going through John and remember what Nicodemus and approaches Jesus at nighttime and they're talking about being born again, right? The the term being born again and what Paul talks about here with adoption, they're basically referencing the same thing. It talks about our justification, that moment in time where we trusted Jesus Christ as Savior by faith alone and we're declared righteous. It's that moment with adoption where we were bringing, we were once outside of God's family, but now we are being brought into his family. So a couple points on adoption. Point number one, that it was God's goal from the very beginning, even before time began, to adopt us and bring us into his family. Let's hold our place. Eh, We don't have to hold our place. Let's just go to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 4, says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons of Je- by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So it was his plan from the very beginning to adopt us. Remember this morning that there's no better feeling in the world than being wanted by somebody. God didn't adopt us because he felt bad for us, because he felt compelled to save us, but he simply saved us and adopted us because he wanted to. That phrase at the end of verse 5 that says, according to the good pleasure of his will, that basically says, I want to adopt you. That's that's a pretty cool thing. You often hear the term or the phrase, a good friend is someone who knows everything about you but likes you anyway. <laughs> right? 
And this is God's mindset toward us. He knew all of our shortcomings, yet he loves us just the same. Jesus died for us when we were yet sinners. And he loved us when we are at our most unlovable. So he chose to love us from the very start and adopt us from the very start. Adoption is also a permanent thing. Um, we need to know that God will never unadopt us. There never says anything about an unadoption in the Bible. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Look at verse, um, same chapter, Ephesians 1, verse 13. It says, In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy, Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So remember this seal, like when we went through Ephesians, Pastor talked about this, this guarantee being like an earnest, where it's a down, like when you have buy a house, there's this earnest money that you put down on the house, a down payment. It's also in reference to a seal, where whether it's a king or someone high up in government would put their seal on an official letter or a contract. And that seal was never to be broken. So when God gives us the Holy Spirit to live within us, that is our down payment on eternity, on being adopted by Him. And it's cool that we don't have to work for that down payment. We don't have to pay any money. We don't have to do anything for it. It's freely given to us. And no one can break the seal of God, and He does all of that work. The question also comes up, well, what if someone chooses not to be in God's family anymore? It's not an easy question. But God, he still considers that person to be in his family if that child truly trust, trusted in him as his savior. He still considers that person his child. Let's turn to Luke 15. This is, the, this is the story of the prodigal son, and we'll go through it relatively quickly. There's, there's a lot of points you can make on, on this section of verses, but the main idea is here that we never stop being God's child no matter what, once we are his. Luke 15, let's start, let's start from the very beginning in verse 11. Then he, Jesus, said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his inheritance, or to them his livelihood. So we see that the son, the younger of the two sons, is asking for his inheritance early. And this was an unthinkable thing, not only for the oldest son to do, but the youngest. So we see that the son has little if no respect for his father. Verse 13 continues, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. So we see here that the son, he basically only cared about himself, a very selfish, selfish thing to do. 
Verse 14 continues, it says, But when he, was a, when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the, that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. So we see here, even today, we would probably not go and go into the pigsty. I, I, we went to the state fair this past year, and we saw the pigs. And pigs have got... Out, I think I think all animals kind of have this smell to them. All farm animals kind of stink, but pigs I think have to be the worst. They are terrible, and we eat them and we think they taste great, right? Bacon. Mm -mm. But in this culture, the swine, the pig. It was, an, it was a no-no to have any dealings with it. If you touched the pig, you were ceremonially unclean. So this was a big step in the wrong direction for the prodigal son. It was, it was an embarrassment to, be, to even be associated with it. It would have been an embarrassment to his family. It, was, it would have been an embarrassment to himself. He's, he's fallen so far in, in, not a short amount of, in a very short amount of time. So the story continues. Verse 17, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. And he put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. So uh, the story takes an unexpected turn. I can see, you can see how the people that were hearing the story from Jesus would have reacted. I don't think they would have liked it very much. They would have probably said, give the son what he deserves. You know, he wants to be a slave, let him be a slave. And I think the son would have been completely okay with that. He was going back to his father's house to be a slave. In the son's mind, he realized how foolish it was to have, to have if he were to have asked for his place back in, in to the family, and he figured, I'd given up all of my rights to that spot in the family. So that's the son's point of view. But the dad, he thought completely differently. He thought, this is my son. Once a son always a son. And you see that based on how he reacted when he returned. How he wasn't disappointed or angry that his son returned, but he was caring and compassionate toward him. I love verse 24. Let's read it again. It says, For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The father never said 
this was my son and is now my son again, that relationship never ended. The fellowship ended for a time, but that relationship was never, was never gone. So we know that with our adoption in Christ, we are eternally secure in that. So our adoption is permanent. Our adoption is planned out from the very beginning. And lastly, our adoption means that we are heirs of God. Let's turn to Revelation 21. So Revelation 21, I will read to you guys Romans 8.17, which we read at the start. It kind of has an order of events there with where we are children of God, and if we are children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So being an heir of God, what do, we, what do people receive if they are heirs of of a parent inheritance you receive something if your if if your uh, if your father or your the person ahead of you had anything to give or to hand down to you and as an, an heir of God the Father he has much to give us we know all of the all of the, all of these different promises that we see in the Bible but our inheritance, the ultimate, the ultimate thing is, is that our glorification is the culmination of our inheritance. Ultimately, our inheritance is in heaven. And that is our inheritance. It says in Romans 21, let's start in verse 4. It says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. So we see in verse, in verse 7 there, anybody who overcomes shall inherit all things. If you are a child of God, if you trust in him by faith alone, you are an overcomer, and he considers you his son. So as a child of God, as a child of God, you can live with true joy and satisfaction and hope in knowing what awaits you. We know that our inheritance happens in a future time, but at the same time, we know that it's guaranteed. We can live as a child of God now. So we should let Christ change our lives and have that attitude to live worthy of the gospel that he has so freely given us. All right, let's close in a word of prayer. Father God, we just thank you so much that we are children of you. We thank you for 
all that you have given us. We, we are most thankful for your son, for sending him to die on the cross in our place and for rising again, Lord, and that we can live in newness of life, Father God, and that we can come to you boldly before your throne of grace, knowing that you are our Father and that you want to hear from us. And we are just so thankful that you have adopted us and called us into your family, Lord. From the very beginning of time, you knew who would be yours, and so we are so thankful for that. And I just pray that going forward, we would continue to just have a passion for your gospel. Um, be willing to share with anybody who will hear it, Lord, and let you work, knowing that your work is unfinished here, Father, as long as we are still on this earth. So I pray that you give us safety as we go, and I just pray that you would have us continue to serve you and bring us together, together back, back together safely soon. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.